0: welcome back to State of Mind with me, Grace Kingswell. It's episode two of season six today. And like I said last time, this series of the pod is all about bringing you shorter, more informative episodes on a single topic within the general health space, nutrition and functional medicine. Today, I'm talking to Kate Mitzi all about polyunsaturated seed oils and the omega three to six ratio. I know, sounds complicated, but actually it's pretty simple and quite shocking and definitely needs to be heard. So Kate put a story up on her Instagram recently about rapeseed oil and all of the other seed oils that we commonly see in products that we buy. Soybean oil, cottonseed oil, etc, etc. They are everywhere in our food supply and she speaks about how detrimental they are for our health. As I'd been wanting to do an episode on fats for quite some time, I jumped at the opportunity to interview Kate again for State of Mind. I bet you didn't think that your Oatly Flat White was causing significant inflammation in your body, or that the fats it contains are akin to those you'd find in a plate of fries. Shocking, I know. The information in this episode needs to be heard, so I urge you to share it with your friends and loved ones. Let's get this message out there. It's not mainstream yet, but it should be. Oh, and don't forget to get my new ebook from my website. It's all about why your porridge at breakfast might be causing your energy lows, hormonal imbalances and mood fluctuations. It's just £10.99 and has loads of delicious protein breakfast recipes in too. Okay, on with the episode. Okay, Kate, let's get into this. We're going to talk today about fats, omega-3s and omega-6s. I would love to welcome Kate back to the podcast. Um, she's an OG interviewee of State of Mind. Um, if you haven't heard the episode we recorded together, then do go and check that out. It was really enlightening. So Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you, firstly? I am well. I'm well. We are uh, busy juggling You know all
1: of the sort of lockdown life experiences and we have a puppy
0: coming in a week so now we're <gasps> extra busy oh my gosh that is mm. so exciting so that exciting <laughs> so no, and a whole
1: other creature to um, get nerdy on nutrition about
0: yeah, definitely. So the reason we're recording this episode today is because you put up a story on your Instagram about vegetable oils, and you broke the internet. <laughs> as far as I, as far as I can tell. So we're going to talk about the difference today between omega three fatty acids and omega sixes. We're going to talk about vegetable oils versus um, uh, animal sources of oils and saturated fats versus fats saturated fats. First of all, Kate, tell us what you put on Instagram and why um, there was so much confusion around it.
1: I have recently been putting up, you know, more and more stories about um, this topic, sort of discussing vegetable oils. And if I remember correctly, I think that sort of the initial initial story, the initial share that really garnered a lot of attention was in regards to nut milks and like plant-based milk alternatives that are fortified with, um, you know, different thickening agents. And and in turn, those are usually plant and uh, seed oils and how that isn't something that contributes to good health. And that was really shocking for a lot of people. And I think it's a topic of conversation that isn't being had nearly enough and that there's a lot of misunderstanding around it because it is quite a a deep-rooted topic. There's so much to explore. It's multifaceted, um, but it's something that I think is being, uh, you know, there's a light being shone on it by a, a number of different professionals in the industry. And I just see it as being so relevant um, because of my work with autoimmune disease and my own, you know, personal struggle with autoimmune disease was so vastly affected by my relationship with um, polyunsaturated fatty acids, omega-3s, omega-6s, and this entire rabbit hole. So it's quite near and dear to my heart. So I think that's why, um, you know, I do talk about it a lot. Mm. So... you know, where do you want to start? It feels like such a, it feels like such a vast topic. So I'll you you lead the you lead the, the fight here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about plant milks then, because I think um, that's what people are going to be. They will have heard you say that just then, and they'll be thinking, "Oh, you know," they're tw- they're thinking about their oat milk flat white mm. in the morning. So in the UK, um, we have Oatly Barista Oat Milk, um, which is super super popular, um, and it has rapeseed oil in. Um, mm. Now, when you Google rape- Grape seed oil you find out that it's a natural oil it's um, you know it's got quite a balanced ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acids la 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 la, la. but why is it bad in a plant-based milk? Okay. So first
1: things first, let's just make sure that it's very clear that rapeseed oil is canola oil. They are the exact same thing. Um, canola oil was just the rebranding that Canada did. Um, this crop is native to Canada and um, it, it they didn't think that the term rapeseed sounded extremely appealing or marketable. So they actually just changed the name to canola oil. And now that canola oil is starting to really... Uh, sort of show its true colors. They've decided to start using rapeseed again in order to confuse the consumer. So mm. it is a pretty grotesque industry. If you just even start to think about it, just from that angle alone, I mean, like the the seesawing of the name to get keep people guessing. Rapeseed sounds a little bit more of like a whole food. So they stop using canola oil on packaging. It's quite misleading, um, and. And yes, uh, there, there it is actually a fairly well um, uh, balanced omega three to omega six, but it isn't that isn't where this begins and ends. So the issue is actually more in relation to the oxidization or the ability for a specific oil to be become um, rancid or inflammatory due to its processing or even just due to its ability to um, oxidize naturally. So that might happen through heat or pressure or via uh, exposure to light. Um, And it's in in that way, really the most uh, toxic thing for us. So we should talk about sort of omega-3, omega-6 ratios and and why that's important to consider. But the reason that rapeseed and canola oil are so detrimental to health is actually not so much in regards to the omega-3, omega-6 conversation, um, but more in regards to the polyunsaturated fatty acids and their very volatile nature Mm,
0: okay so there's two things there let's firstly touch on the omega-3 omega-6 and then we'll talk about the volatile nature of um, polyunsaturated fatty acids so uh, really simply i guess for people that are listening that maybe don't know what's an omega-3 and what's an omega-6 and why is the ratio between those two in the body so important okay so basically it all comes down to the,
1: um, double bonds that occur. So if you like look, if you're looking at the the molecular structure of an omega-3 fatty acid, um, the first double bond occurs on the third carbon atom for people that are listening. They're like, Oh my God, I don't care about this. but it really just does boil down to this. It's just a molecular difference between two different kinds of, of uh, fatty acid molecules. So yeah, the omega-3, the first double bond occurs on the third carbon atom, the omega-6, the first double bond occurs on the sixth carbon atom. And because of that, they operate differently. You know, like the body utilizes them differently. They're either more stable or less stable. um, and they have different Roles in the body um, because of that. And I guess the reason why the historical sort of ratio of omega 3 to omega 6 in humans is important to consider is because, you know, throughout our evolution, so, you know, four to five million years of human evolution. Um, diets were abundant in seafood and other sources of, of omega threes um, that include EPA and DHA. You know, those are sort of you hear those. Um, you know, in regards to sort of fish oils, would be probably where people recognize those acronyms from. Um, And then relatively like the diets would have been really low in omega-6 because we wouldn't have had access to seed oils um, for most of our evolution. And we wouldn't even have been consuming great deals of seeds and nuts because it's actually really challenging to harvest seeds and nuts. Like they were always a part of our diet evolutionarily, but we wouldn't be able to have had enough of them all of the time to be making nut milks and nut butters and nut flours and oils and, and the list goes on and on. Hmm. So research really has suggested that our hunter-gatherer ancestors consumed um, omega-3 and omega-6 fats in a ratio of roughly one to one. Um, so pretty much sort of like, you know, the same amount of omega-3s to the same amount of omega-6s. Now, depending on where and at what point in history we're looking at this, it does sort of differ a little bit, but it's almost always been, you know, under a one-to-four ratio. And our, uh, you know, um, our modern hunter-gatherers, like our, the the tribes that still exist um, in, in 2021 on Earth, which are very few that are left, but they still mimic those ratios and they do not have modern inflammatory diseases like heart disease and cancer and diabetes. They just, it just simply doesn't exist within their communities, but in modern human uh, uh, cultures. So like Western modern civilizations, like uh, like ours there in in Europe or here in Canada or in the United States, we're seeing ratios now closer to 25 to one. So Mm. 25 Times higher than our evolutionary norms. And I mean, this is problematic for so, 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 so many reasons. But without even discussing all of those reasons, like any change, any Rapid evolutionary change of that magnitude is not going to be something beneficial. Um, mm. We it just you know human evolution happens slow and steady. The evolution of any species does, and we're really manipulating our um, our genes in this way and and our cellular our, our cells in this way um, due to this rapid and um, very very dramatic increase in omega omega-6 fatty acids specifically. So omega-6s have gone way, 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 way up
0: and omega-3s have come way, 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 way down. So I just want to check Kate quickly. The first time you mentioned that ratio, you said one to one and then you said one to four, but it's one to four, right?
1: And anything around under one to four is normal.
0: Anything, um,
1: yeah, one to one would have been like our most commonly seen ancestral um, ratio. But, you know, over our course of evolution, we've seen it sort of flux anywhere from Mm. one to one to one to four. Mm. And one to a healthy, what we see as healthy, um, like optimized exists, you know, within that that spectrum.
0: Okay. And where would you say... The sources, like how are we getting so much of these um, seed and and vegetable oils in our diets? Because you know, people m- might be listening to this thinking, well, I don't guzzle sunflower <laughs> oil. You know, I don't like pour rapeseed oil on my salad. But it's it's abundant everywhere, isn't it? Like, I'd love for you mm-hmm. to explain that and and a little bit about you know how we've got to this stage. Sure. So. It, it's
1: happening for a number of reasons. Um, one, I sort of touched on, you know, as sort of these more plant-based diets are touted as being sort of the be-all end-all of, um, you know, the environmental crisis and the sustainability conversation and health and all of these things, um, you know, like I think you and I are on the same page there, and that's not necessarily the case, Um, Mm. but uh, a lot of these plant-based products have really come to market. They're highly profitable. They're really easy to sell. The profit margins are amazing. And so um, a lot of companies are spending a lot of money marketing um, a lot of these things to us. And in order to make plant-based products, we need to use a lot of nuts and seeds because that is how we create these sort of complete proteins and things like that, that mirror the more naturally occurring animal versions of these products. So things like margarine, you know, vegan spreads, nut milks, plant-based protein powders, nut butters, and and plant-based proteins in general. And within that then comes, you know, this like onslaught of highly refined and processed foods like Impossible Burgers or Beyond Burgers and other versions of those products. Mm-hmm. And really in order to to create a product like that, that is, um, you know, looking like we're mirroring a, a complete protein that has like the consistency and appearance and the flavor complex of uh, of of a similar product they really do have to lean into those ingredients quite heavily in order to make that happen. And those things are very high in omega-6s naturally and quite low in omega-3s in some cases. So that would be one, you know, very easy way to sort of point a finger at how those ratios are falling drastically out of line with what is evolutionarily normal to humans. Mm. But then, oh, sorry. No, no, sorry, go on. No, no, you carry on, Kate. I was just going to say that the other big area uh, of this, which is sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum, is actually within the meat industry then and and within the conventional meat uh, industry specifically, because a lot of our animals like pigs and cows and chickens are being fed exclusively grain-based diets or they're being fortified as well then with soy and other things like that, that also then contain, um, you know, these off, uh, these off kilter omega-3, omega-6 ratios. So we're eating it in our plant-based diets and plant-based foods. And then we're getting more of it in our, in our meats as well, which would again, just be very unnatural for both the animal, uh, and then in, in turn for us.
0: Hmm. I read, um, an article that I don't know where they, I just screenshotted this particular quote because it's really, really illuminating. And just uh, before I read it out, you know, I haven't checked their sources or where they researched or got the figures from, but it says, every time you drink a latte with oat milk, you're getting the toxic and inflammatory equivalent of a medium to large serving of French fries. <laughs> oh my and, goodness gracious. <laughs> you know, that could feasibly be very true. And I think, you know it's so difficult for the consumer isn't it because you know say you are a perceptive consumer and you do read the labels of cartons and you go and you buy your oat milk and you look at the back and it says rapeseed oil and like you said it's natural like it sounds natural how are we supposed to ever know that it causes inflammation in the body it's it's mental um but i think that particular line from that article is just so shocking um mm-hmm. i would love to i would love to talk about this uh Inflammation piece, and I'd love for you to explain to people how um, how that comes about in the body from having these rancid seed oils and vegetable oils. Sure. So it's
1: quite complex um, if you really get into the details of it, but sort of the the sort of easiest way to kind of think about this is. Omega-6s, we see this sort of, even within our regular ratios, like, um, uh, you know, even in a healthier ratio, we can see that omega-6s are uh, pro-inflammatory in the body. Um, They signal specific cascades that trigger pro-inflammatory cascades, like uh, cytokines and things like that, that uh, sort of ignite inflammation in the body. And omega-3 tends to be neutral or, anti-inflammatory. Um, so uh, just in their nature in the way that they um, actually operate um, uh, in our system, they do have that tendency. But what sort of exacerbates that also is the way that we store fat. So because these are fats, um, our you know, our fat cells are made up of, um, you know, sometimes the fats that we eat. So for example, you know, we, we need both omega-3 and omega-6 in our diet. We, our brain, our our brains are made up of both of these things. Um, you know, we, we need them in a balance, um, for specific reasons, but if our fat cells are constantly flooded with omega-6 fatty acids, they, the cellular membranes do sort of become made up of these things. And so they don't, they don't operate in the same way. They might not be able to um, uh, receive and excrete other molecules in the way that they uh, are, are usually supposed to. They may not have the um, the movement that they normally are supposed to. They may not proliferate the way that they are supposed to. Uh, we see that um, uh, fat cells actually don't divide properly um, when we have uh, a specific uh, imbalance of omega-3 to omega-6. That might actually sound appealing to some people because we don't want our fat cells to necessarily divide because it means we have more of them. Um, but what then becomes problematic is your fat cells don't, um, they don't, uh, they don't signal properly either at that point if they're not dividing properly. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's where we start to kind of cross that threshold of, of uh, insulin resistance at the cellular level. So mm-hmm. there's, um, you know, the, the conversation around this is so vast and you made a good point about, you know, how, how does a consumer know all of this? How how on earth would the average person um, be able to navigate these stormy waters? Like, this is not information we're taught in school. This is not information that the average person possesses. Even, you know, really bright people within the healthcare uh, world don't actually know this information. So the only people that really have access to it are researchers um, and professionals within medicine and, but specifically nutrition. And, um, and so it does make it so, so difficult for the consumer because they're just constantly up against this, you know, um, Mm. maybe argument between two camps of, you know, plant-based and this, or, um, you know, potentially some, some of us like more, uh, vocal sort of nerdy healthcare people on the internet that might provide an alternate view. And then really the only option they have is to like get into the research and actually look through the evidence, um, towards this. Now, some companies really are changing the direction. Some companies are, um, uh, you know, really receptive to this and they're pulling canola oil and rapeseed out of their formulas. Um, they're cleaning things up, But it's much more expensive and and that like sort of leads to this other part of the problem where then a consumer is faced with a decision that they're then, you know, purchasing something that maybe they can't afford over something that they can afford but that they might not quite really understand. So Mm. it's a really challenging topic.
0: Mm. So let's give a quick rundown then of most commonly found omega-6 oils in our in our diets? Sure. So, um, let's, let's
1: actually clarify that it's, um, not just the omega-6s when I talk about these specific oils that I'm about to list. It's also the, 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 um, the refined polyunsaturated fatty acids, like the level at which they exist in these oils. So we're talking about two different things, but they're, they go hand in hand. So yes, that they're high in omega-6s, but they're also high typically in refined polyunsaturated fatty acids, which are the, um, the, which are the, uh, um, unstable part mm. of, of, of these oils. So it's just really important to keep that in mind. So canola slash rapeseed is the most uh, common. Um, Next in line would be soy. And then after that, you're going to start to see things like corn, corn oil, cottonseed oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, rice bran oil, and then anything that says hydrogenated. So even if it's not an oil that's theoretically high in omega-6 fatty acids, if it's hydrogenated, it's immediately going to be more um, uh, um, easily destroyed by heat, pressure, or light, which makes it in, uh, very highly oxidated and that makes it highly inflammatory in the body.
0: Mm. So then maybe we need to also touch on, because I'm just thinking now, I'm listening, trying to listen to this as if I'm not a nutritional professional, maybe we need to just go into the difference between a saturated fat and an unsaturated fat, and then why it's actually safer, you know, despite everything we've been told over the last few years about saturated fats, to cook with a saturated fat like butter or ghee, than it would be to cook and heat at a high temperature, a unsaturated or polyunsaturated vegetable oil? Sure. So um, again, the difference between
1: an unsaturated fat and a saturated fat comes down to the structure of the molecule again. um, Saturated fats are usually solid at room temperature and unsaturated fats are usually liquid at room temperature. Um, so meaning the molecules are more flexible uh, in an unsaturated fatty acid and less flexible in a saturated fat. And that's what really is the difference between um, what makes an oil perform better at high heat or remain um, uh, intact at high heat. So saturated fats would be um, animal fats, so things like tallow or lard or butter, ghee, Um, coconut oil actually performs in that way. That's why like a jar of coconut oil, if you live in a colder climate is solid at room temperature, but then melts very easily when it's heated. Those are all really stable fats. So they're great, um, for a number of reasons. Like one, uh, you know, they don't deteriorate, um, under light or heat or pressure, or if they do, it happens very, very, very slowly. Um, they're also really recognizable in the body because we are made of saturated fats. (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, again, just sort of like evolutionarily, we have adapted to eat uh, saturated fats for millions and millions of years, and they often are the storehouse for a lot of nutrients, um, all of our fat soluble vitamins. So, um, not only is it just a stable fat, but they tend to also just be highly nutritious. Now, there are lots of unsaturated fats that are really good for us as well. Like, you know, olive oil is um, uh, liquid at room temperature. And same with, um, you know, avocado oil, so long as it's not refined or um, hydrogenated in any way. There are avocado oils on the market that you should avoid if they're highly refined. Um, But also things like flax oil. Flax oil is uh, polyunsaturated. So long as you're not cooking with it, it could really be quite beneficial. There's lots of nutrients in it, um, but it isn't at all stable. So you wouldn't want to heat that or expose it to light or cook with it for sure. Um, that is where those molecules change really rapidly and become problematic in the body. Hmm. And then trans fats basically are, they, they're they naturally occurring. Um, and there's also artificial trans fats and those are usually, um, used to actually make these liquid vegetable oils, um, to make them behave like a saturated fat. So they would like, uh, in, as an, um, as a margarine would be a really good example of that. So taking, um, these quote unquote vegetable oils, they're never made of a vegetable. So that's an industry term. There is not a vegetable oil that's made of a vegetable. It's so silly. Um, They're almost always exclusively made from seeds. And um, uh, when uh, hydrogen is added to them, they can perform like a solid. And through that process is actually how trans fats are manufactured. And trans fats are something that is widely known now that we should absolutely avoid. But there was a time where we thought they were the be-all end-all. So it's it's something to keep in mind that the sort of uh, understanding and information around fats in general is constantly evolving right now as we, um, you know, learn more about actually how they behave in, in the body and what the industrialized or, um, uh, you know, in, um, manufacturing um, methods due to these oils.
0: And mm. um, what I found so um, gripping, I guess, from the little uh, flurry of stories that you put up about this a couple of weeks ago was that when you yourself were kind of um, right in the thick of your autoimmune uh, journey, it was when you ditched all seed oils from, and, you know, refined oils from your diet, that's when your health turned around, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So it was, um, an autoimmune paleo
1: protocol that I had gone on. And because of that, I was, um, you know, meant to remove all grains, all legumes, all nuts and seeds and their counterparts. So oils and butters and things like that. And I had already been Primarily grain free at that time. Um, well, maybe not grain free, but I certainly was already gluten free at that time and dabbling in grain free. So that wasn't a huge change for me dietarily. Um, but, but absolutely removing nuts and seeds was really a big part of my life because I was vegan at the time. And so I really lived off of, uh, you know, seed based protein powders and nut butters and um nuts in general like constantly snacking on you know handfuls of nuts or granola or things things of that nature and and also things like chocolate and coffee like these are all seed-based um things as well and and it's important to, to remind everybody like as we have this conversation that again, it's not, you know, in nature, like nature doesn't create bad foods. Um, you know, if you're eating sort of whole sunflower seeds or chia or flax, they're fairly well protected by the antioxidants that nature has built into the seed. And it isn't, um, so much of an issue for most people if they're having them in their full form. But when, the protectants, like when those antioxidants and the fibers get stripped away, um, you know, during industrial processes, like refining of these nets and seeds into oils, that's where these problems really start to occur because they, the, the refining process just strips away all of these antioxidants and makes these polyunsaturated fatty acids really toxic, um, by then exposing them to heat and pressure and bleaching agents and metals and all of these chemicals alter the molecules and introduce other toxins um, and really change the whole way that they that they operate in the way that they're utilized by the body. Mm. So at the time when I went through my whole thing with my, um, like you said, this was sort of like the peak, the, the pinnacle of, of my suffering. And, and when I really made this ma- massive realization, I didn't actually know that it was the, like why that elimination did what it did. And this is going back five years ago now, or almost five years ago, there certainly wasn't a conversation happening anywhere in my line of view on, on, polyunsaturated fatty acids or um <laughs> really even omega 3 to omega 6 ratios like yes that was a conversation that we've been having for quite a bit of time but not in that nuanced way of uh, understanding its connection to cellular inflammation or autoimmunity and so i was actually really th- led to believe um at the time that it was more in relationship to sort of like molds and toxins of that nature that I was avoiding by taking these things out of my diet. And it wasn't, Mm. it didn't, it wasn't until really like years into it, years of continuing to sort of research and refine my thoughts around it and read more literature on it and talk to other like-minded people that have gone through the same things that I started to really make this connection that it is, The polyunsaturated fatty acids that are the issue, the damaged polyunsaturated fatty acids that show up in everything in, you know, the form of canola oil or other vegetable, quote unquote, vegetable oils or seed oils that are really, truly the sticking point for so many of our chronic health conditions in the modern world. Um, Mm. And that was a really fascinating Uh, moment for me when I kind of realized the connection that it was truly this one thing and not, you know, uh, you know, not so much about some of the other things that I thought were really, um, exacerbating my, my issues all these years, like, um, Mm -hmm. sugar, for example, you know, we always point our finger at sugar and absolutely it, you know, there isn't a large space, uh, for in the health, um, picture for it. But I think, that this issue of polyunsaturated fatty acids is actually even worse for us um, in some cases than diets that might be a little bit high in sugar.
0: Mm, yeah, it's you're so right, and it's just utterly shocking. You know, when when you hear someone talk about it as eloquently as you are, because you start to think about all the products in your pantry at home on the supermarket shelves. You know, the things that we see on social media, you know, the vegan influences that people follow and, and the products that they make that they then buy. And it's 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 infla- like it's it's a super easy way to become really, really inflamed and really unwell. And. Um, and it's it's pretty terrifying like even you know i know all of this and i'm still it, it's still really shocking actually hearing you talk about it like that
1: yeah i i agree i even i feel that way still to this day and and it's really challenging to navigate i actually feel really sad for everyone um mm. in terms of this one specific area because it it's really challenging to avoid unless you are really good at eating exclusively homemade foods completely from scratch um, and are quite disciplined and don't fall, um, you know, victim to craving for chips or French fries or something along those lines every once in a while. Like, you know, you have to be pretty, like, ironclad to avoid all of the areas where this stuff is, Mm. um, you know, uh, just – Existing in boatloads, it's yeah. in everything.
0: Yeah, and that—that's why it's so hard. Like you're saying, it is in absolutely everything. It's you know the nut butters on morning porridge. It's all of the plant based milks. It's any kind of sauce that's pre made that you're buying in the supermarket. Like last week, um, my husband made a Thai green curry, and it was he's never made it before, so we bought like a jar really good quality, but of course the oil that was in it was one of these polyunsaturated um seed oils and yeah it's it's totally rife so what about um because i get this question a lot what about cooking because we spoke about how it's really important to cook with saturated fats because they are much more stable so things like butter ghee coconut oil tallow what about cooking with olive oil yeah so olive oil is a is a beautiful thing to cook with because it comes equipped
1: with an absolutely incredible um source of antioxidants. So it's very well protected. Basically cooking with anything that's unrefined. So any unrefined fats and oils that are low in polyunsaturated fatty acids or that are high in omega-3s are really the best things to look for. And then also anything that is sort of cold, says cold pressed or unrefined, Mm -hmm. those are also going to be words that you would want to look for. So that would be, um, you know, my favorite most stable things to cook with are animal fats. So tallow, duck fat, lard, butter, ghee, marrow, any of those sorts of fats. So, um, like truly like animal fats are going to be your absolutely most, um, stable at, at high heats or at any heat. And then, um, yeah, olive oil, uh, avocado oil, coconut oil, those are excellent um, to cook with. And then Mm -hmm. sesame oil, flax, walnut, macadamia, those can still be consumed in a safe way. I just would never, ever, ever heat them. They, you know, they do have more omega-6s. But again, it's just important to like kind of remember that this is a bit nuanced and that omega-6s are not the devil. Like we don't have to inherently fear omega-6. We do need it. We just don't need very much of it, and it's very easy to get enough. So supplementing or specifically looking for foods that have omega-6s in them isn't necessary um, because there is just enough omega-6 even in, like, a nice piece of grass-fed meat or, um, you know, in some eggs or you know in uh, uh you know a little shake of sesame seeds on something like it really doesn't take very much to get what we need there so mm. you know choosing to find something that's fortified with you know you might see marketing that says like high in omega 6 or high in omega 3 and omega and omega 6 like that's just simply marketing. Um, it is very, very, very easy to
0: get what we need mm. in that regard. Amazing, yeah. Okay, Kate, um, let's wrap things up. What are your key takeaways from this little chat for, you know, your average person that's been listening to this and is now maybe feeling a little bit overwhelmed, um, very kind of uh, feeling slightly frustrated maybe at the kind of, dialogue that we have um that surrounds us that that clay you know makes us think that we need to be consuming all of these seed oils what are some easy takeaways and some simple action points for people i think the best way to navigate almost anything
1: that is diet related is to just simply as best you can focus on focus on real whole foods so avoid Pre-packaged, refined, um, uh, consumer-based foods um, as much as you can, and if you can't, then choose foods that are uh, as simple as possible. That contain the you know as little ingredients as possible, and um, avoid the you know eight major industrial oil offenders. So that would be canola slash rapeseed, same thing, corn, cotton seed, soy, sunflower, safflower, grapeseed, and rice bran oil. So any of those in my mind, like when I'm working with clients and we're having this conversation, what's the one thing you can do? I just send them like a little print out piece of paper that has those on it. I'm like, cut this out, pop it in your wallet. If you're at the grocery store and you're going to buy a salad dressing or a sauce or a loaf of bread or anything that has these ingredients on it, shelf it and find something that doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, that is sort of my baseline place of, of starting with anybody. Like let's get these out of the diet. And that's our sort of our start point. And for a lot of people, I get these like incredible testimonials where I'm, we're not doing much. Like we're really just, you know, scratching the surface on things. We're really just like taking a few things out of the pantry and doing a couple clean swaps here and there. But so many people report, oh my gosh, like I cut out these oils. And in one month I haven't changed anything else about the way I eat and I've lost five pounds. I haven't done any exercise. I haven't changed any of my other habits, and I have no headaches anymore. Mm. I have less period pain. You know, the list goes on. So there is such a massive correlation between inflammation and all of the inflammatory sort of conditions and symptoms that one might feel that I just think focusing simply on removing those eight industrial polyunsaturated fatty rich oils. Um, is the best, best place to start while focusing on real food. So Mm. eat whole vegetables, fruits, uh, nuts, if that works for you in their whole form, meat, um, eggs, fish, you know, eat, eat like a human Um, and, uh, and you really can't go too, too wrong.
0: Amazing. There you have it. Kate, thank you so much. Once again, this has been amazingly informative and it's been lovely having you on the podcast. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. I hope you enjoy my podcast. And can I ask you please to leave a review on the Apple Podcast app if you do like it. And of course, to tell all your friends. Thank you so much and see you again next week. Bye-bye.